Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to see you here at Stanley Park this morning. Uh, if you're out in the hallways, come on in. We've got comfy pews for each and every one of you. Um, so th- there's a lot going on today. Um, it's, again, our first real official service of, of 2023. I know last week we had our, our pretty great uh, pre-recorded service from CBM, uh, but we got communion today. We have covenant renewal. Uh, Gary's got a great message um, just about, again, us, us as a church being a body of believers, um, encouraging each other and strengthening each other and, and being there for each other. Um, so as we prepare for our service today, will you please uh, join with me as we pray? Father God, we thank you, uh, Lord, for today and the gift that it is. And Lord, we thank you for this time and this place where we can come openly and freely and honestly and bring our, our praise and our worship to you. God, we, we know this probably hasn't been a perfect week. Um, God, there's been times that we've stumbled and fallen. God, things that we probably shouldn't have done that we did. And Lord, we just, um, we thank you. For your faithfulness, that God, um, that we are your people, and uh, God, that you, you cleanse us, that God, you forgive us. Um, so help us to cry out to you today, Abba, Father. Um, Lord, help us not to be burdened um, by all the things of the past, God, of the past years. And God, help us not to be worried about the future and what could be. But God, help us just to rely on you for today. Um, God, for the things that we need and the people that we need to be. Um, So, Lord, as your people here today, we just pray that we're not people sitting in warming pews, but, God, that we are your church, living and active and ready to do your will today. So, God, we just pray that you would have your way here today. Lord, we've got a plan in order, but, Lord, if you have something else in store, we just pray that you'd help us to hold on tight and know that you are good. We just thank you for all these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, We'll ask as well, if you're able, to uh, stand with us as we sing.
time I'm going to do uh, two things. So I'm going to pray for our kids before we send them off to their class. And I'm also going to pray and uh, commit the offering to the Lord today. So please join with me as we pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the amazing gift of these kids. That God, every single one is so precious in your eyes. And Lord, we we know that um, these kids face challenges even now. Um, every single day of, of who they are and what they believe. And we just pray that your spirit would continue to, to lead them and to guide them um, just to know what's right and how to trust you in all things. And Lord, we pray uh, too for their leaders um, as they lead today. God, we pray that you would help them as they bring the message, as they bring uh, your word and your truth to them that, God, they would have wisdom and uh, peace and a whole lot of patience as they lead. And too, Lord, we, um, we want to lift up this offering to you. And, Lord, we just pray that, um, oh, God, it's been a hard year. We know so many people are struggling. God, we know there's a lot happening with people's jobs and... Um, we just pray that you would continue uh, to sustain us. That God, whether, whether we're giving much or little, that God, we would just give with hearts um, just an eager anticipation of what you will do. And God, we thank you that you will, um, you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. So God, please take this offering, uh, multiply it, and use it for your kingdom here on earth. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, kids, you are dismissed. I believe your leaders will meet you at the back there.
come before our God. Father God, as we bow before you this morning, we are very mindful that you, the God of all time, are without beginning or end, the eternal, everlasting, yes, everlasting God. Mindful because we are very much infinite creatures beginning a new year knowing that we are dependent upon you for all that happens in our lives. From the very moment we are conceived to the moment our souls leave these earthly bodies, we are subject to you and to time. And yet as we embark into yet another new year, we we place all of our days, our lives into your everlasting care, trusting you for all that is to come in this period of time that we're going to call 2023. For we have trusted you in the past, and you have proven your faithfulness to each of us. So we now can know that we can count upon your constant care in every moment, in every moment of life that we know. Father, we truly are thankful for the church that you have given to us and for the richness and blessing of each other. For you have blessed us all so richly through the fellowship and care and love of one another, even as your spirit has led us as a people. So we pray that once again you would refresh us, that you would remind us just how much we really need each other, even as we ask for your blessing over our lives. We know that we don't really deserve your care for us, For we have been careless in our relationship with you and with each other. We don't deserve the mercy, the grace, the love you extend to us. For many times we act without mercy and little grace and even less love toward others. Father God, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your pardon, your cleansing, even as we seek to be renewed and re-energized in our determination to walk faithfully with you, and especially with each other as we once again renew our covenant to each other and with you. 
Our needs, O oh God, are many, whether we are sitting in this auditorium or joining together online, we acknowledge that we are a needy people. Some of us have has slipped and fallen in our own waywardness and sin this past week, desperately needing to experience your forgiveness and cleansing, your restoration yet once again in our lives. Some of us are discouraged. Life has given us some tough things to deal with, and we need your spirit to help us in our discouragement. Some of us are grieving. We've lost loved ones. Our lives have changed, and we're hurting deep inside. Wipe our tears. Heal our hurts. Fill us afresh with your tender mercy. And as we pray for comfort, we think of our sister Margaret and her family as they comfort each other over Jim's passing. Some of us are struggling with health issues. Some of us are needing a healing touch, even, even our bodies needing to be, be healed once again. We remember our sister Anne, thankful that she's now out of ICU, and pray that you would bring healing to her body. We think of our brother Scott, who suffered an eye injury at work, and now he really needs to know you as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the God who brings healing. Even as we pray for so many others, for Janice as she continues her difficult journey through life, for Susan's brother in his battle with cancer, for Alice's physical issues, for Cheryl as she continues her recovery, and for so many others, so many of us sitting right here in this room just needing to know your touch on our lives afresh. Do your work of grace and mercy in our midst, I pray. And now as we gather around your word, as we come before your table, as we renew our promises to one another and to you, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be powerfully present, speaking into our minds, our hearts, and our lives. Bless Pastor Gary and the word you have given him to share with us this morning. We pray all these things, all to the eternal praise and glory of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior and Lord, in whose precious name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Happy New Year. In case we missed you last week, it's still a new year. We can still wish that. 2023, uh, we're excited for what God has in store for us this new year. Uh, it's good to see you all here today. Thank you for joining us. As Pastor Paul mentioned in the prayer uh, this week, our uh, former interim pastor, uh, Jim McGee, uh, went home to be with the Lord. Praise God. Jim is exactly where he has wanted to be for so long, but we do pray and continue to pray for, for Margaret uh, his wife, and for their family. Uh, we will have details. I believe there are details, uh, but we will communicate those this week uh, through email. So if you're not on our church email list, uh, please let us know. Uh, speak to Paul or myself after the service. We'll make sure you're on there. But some important information that we communicate via our church email. So uh, please pray for the McGee family uh, through this, this difficult time. Again, we rejoice for Jim, but... Uh, it's, it's tough for the family, so we pray for them. This morning, following the service, uh, we are going to be having Stanley Park 101. 
uh, taught by our very own Dr. Kevin Flatt. Uh, and we're going to meet in this room right through here following the service, probably about 10 minutes, uh, give you time to get a coffee. If you're a newcomer, this is a course for you. This is basically an introduction to our church, uh, explaining who we are, how we're structured, how we function, uh, the ministry, the mission of our church. It's, uh, it's a good time, and uh, we're looking forward to that today. It's been a little while since we've had it, and we're really grateful that uh, Kevin will be uh, leading us through that time following the service today. So uh, even if you're not a newcomer and you just need a refresher course, need to be reminded of what this is all about, please join us uh, following the service today. <clears throat> all right, let's, let's uh, open our Bibles. If you have them, there's Bibles in front of you, so I'm going to invite you to open those right to the very back. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. And uh, you, you know, as you're turning there, we've, we went through uh, a lengthy series in the book of Revelation, uh, right from uh, chapter 1 right to the end. And uh, today, uh, we're just going to focus in on these familiar and important verses to the church in Ephesus. And uh, I don't have slides for these, but we will look at it in detail in a moment. So I'm just going to ask you if you are able to please stand. And uh, let's try this. Let's try to read this through together, okay, in unison. Revelation 2, just the first seven verses, okay? So just to the church at Ephesus, beginning at verse 1. I think we all have the same version if you're reading out of the Pew Bibles. Isn't this good to have a Bible in your hand and read out of it? This is good. Let's read the Lord's Word together here, uh, beginning at verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write... These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false." You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. Thank you for that excellent reading. <clears throat> Okay, so <clears throat> this is our Covenant Renewal Sunday, and uh, we sent out, for those who are on the email list, we sent out our covenant this week. It's part of our e-bulletin. We included it on the second page so that everyone could take a look at that, uh, maybe be refreshed, reminded of what we have committed to do, uh, to be really, as the church here at Stanley Park. And uh, <clears throat> so every year we set 
aside a Sunday to renew our church covenant. That is to rededicate ourselves to uphold the vows that we've made to God and to each other to worship and serve him in the ministry and fellowship of this church. Now, in the past, uh, in covenant renewal services, I've, I've preached on the importance of, of formal church membership to a local congregation which is what we see in the New Testament, beginning in the book of Acts. How commitment to Christ and commitment to a local church go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. I've preached on the body of Christ and how the participation and commitment of each and every member of the church is vital to its health and proper function. I've preached on the importance of covenant. We've looked at the the Old Testament covenants and, and how they all ultimately point to and are fulfilled in the new covenant in Jesus' blood. And how that relates to our church covenant and the vows that we've made. However, making vows, dedicating the words of our mouths, the focus of our minds, the work of our hands to the Lord is meaningless if we fail to love Him with all of our hearts. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You can... You can say that as loud as you want. We can read here and and read it in perfect unison, our vows. But if our hearts aren't right, it doesn't matter. In Matthew 24, the disciples ask Jesus about the end of the age and and the signs of, of the coming of the end of the age. And so they say, Jesus, like, what's that going to be like? How's that going to go? And Jesus tells them. He explains how this is going to go. And here's what we read. Matthew 24. Oh, no, I'm going to go to this one. Matthew 24. Uh, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, The love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. My friends, as we move towards the end of the age, and make no mistake, we are every day. With each day that passes, these things that Jesus foretold are happening in increasing measure. We see it. I see it. People turning away from the faith, betraying and hating each other. There is mass deception in our country, in our culture, in our world. And of course, an increase not only of wickedness, but tragically of of lovelessness. And Christian cold-heartedness. This is a clear and present danger for the church right now. Uh, Coming out of the pandemic, it's so apparent, isn't it? Many, for many followers of Jesus, the the flame, the passion, the zeal, the love for the Lord has has dwindled, has fizzled. Out, it seems. And this is the issue that Jesus addresses in Revelation 2 that we read together this morning. 
John, who at this point is now a really old man. He'd been banished to the prison island of, of Patmos in the Aegean Sea off the coast of Ephesus. He could look across and, and probably see Ephesus. And there on this prison island, I got artist's rendering of John. He looks to be in pretty good shape. I like the hair. But the, he, he's, he's stranded on this, this island. He's been banished there under the, uh, the, the emperor Domitian who, who sent him there. And, and there, into this seemingly hopeless situation, God reveals to John, and in turn to us, the most hope-filled revelation ever known to man. The unveiling of Jesus Christ, the risen and returning Son of God in the splendor and radiance of his glory. And I don't have a slide to depict it, because you can't. The glory of God walking among the seven golden lampstands is Jesus. That's how John sees it at the beginning of that revelation. The seven golden lampstands represent the, the seven churches of Asia Minor and in turn the church of, for all time. The church, us, we're part of that. Jesus walking among his church. And this revelation begins with Jesus himself delivering seven specific messages. Again, not just to the seven churches at that time to every church for all time, and I believe, my friends, to our church for this time, today, right now. And Jesus starts by addressing the church in Ephesus. He says to the angel of the church, angel translated messenger of the church in Ephesus. He's directing John to write this down. Ephesus, such an important city. It was the most prominent and populated city in Asia Minor. In fact, it was called the supreme metropolis of Asia. And though it was a financial district and an important seaport city, it was most famous for the temple of Artemis of the Ephesians, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a center of mystical cult worship, a really dark place. People would come from all over that part of the world to witness and participate in the depraved spectacle of debauchery that was the worship of Artemis. Well, it's against this backdrop of, of religious immorality that the church of Ephesus stood as a beacon of moral and doctrinal purity. It, it was the most influential church in Asia Minor. If you, we're going to see in our series in Acts, and yes, we are returning to that, <laughs> But we, we will see later on in Acts, on Paul's third missionary journey there, the Apostle Paul, he spent two and a half years in Ephesus preaching and teaching the word of the Lord and performing many miracles, which absolutely stunned the people. Here's what we read in Acts 19. The Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls and burned them publicly. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. That's how the church at Ephesus started. That's how the gospel took root and, and the church began to flourish. Fast forward 40 years. In this revelation, Jesus instructs John to address the angel, 
or the messenger of Ephesus, saying these words. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Seven stars referred to the seven leaders or, or elders of those churches. And again, seven golden lampstands referred to the church for all time. That's all of us, the church then, the church now. Jesus who walks among the seven golden lampstands, who, who holds, securely holds the leadership of the church in his hand, has something to say to this church in Ephesus. This image was a powerful reminder to the church that even though we do not see him, Jesus Christ, our great and glorious high priest, is still with us, my friends, just as he promised. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He promised that to his disciples. He is here interceding today, protecting, guiding, strengthening, sustaining us by his word and by his spirit. And you know what he's doing? He's still building his church today. And Jesus tells this church, he says, I know your deeds. I know your hard work and your perseverance. Now, Jesus knows everything. But he's pointing out and seems to be commending them here for their perseverance, for their hard work. We don't know exactly what deeds he's talking about, but we know that they'd be based on the core commitments of the early church that we looked at a few weeks ago in Acts 2, if you recall. The church was committed to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and to prayer. This church was doing all of that. And clearly they were a busy, influential church, preaching, teaching, evangelizing, administrating, helping those in need. This church was buzzing with activity. And they didn't just do these things. They worked hard at doing these things. They probably renewed their covenant like every month. It's underlined in the word perseverance here. Also translated endurance or long-suffering. It's repeated in verse 3 where Jesus says, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Then verse 3, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. This church was able to endure even under the, the extreme pressure of persecution, they refused to bow down to the evil culture around them. Again, worship of Artemis. It was depraved, debaucherous. They wanted nothing to do with it. They shone the light of Christ into the darkness of that culture. They endured suffering and hardship for Jesus' name. But that's not all. Jesus also commends their doctrine. Look again at verse 2. He says, I know you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. Now keep in mind, this is the church that received the book of Ephesians. Paul had trained this church well in the doctrines of the faith. And before he left in Acts 20, he gave them this warning. Look at what he said. I know that after I leave this church in Ephesus, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. And the Ephesian church listened. They were on their guard. They, they took Paul's warning against false teaching seriously, which we see in verse 6. 
Jesus says, you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Nicolaitans were a sect of libertarians who basically taught that uh, spiritual liberty was a license to sin. God's grace will cover it. Do whatever you want. And the Ephesians, they stood firm against that. They hated this. Now, you hear all of this, and you're like, this is impressive. This is an exemplary church here. This is a busy, strong, serious body of Christ who worked hard. They persevered through suffering in Jesus' name. They were intolerant of evil. They exposed false prophets. They were committed to sound doctrine, and Jesus commends them for it. And man, it would be great if that's where the message ended. If Jesus just signed off, pronounced the benediction right there, but he doesn't. Because in spite of all the good things they were doing on the outside, there was something wrong on the inside. Verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Ouch. These are piercing words of condemnation. You know, like in a fight, in a boxing match, when it's like the, the, the punch that takes the opponent down in the jaw, right? It's, that's what this is. On the outside, the church looked great, but Jesus, who knows and sees everything, outside and in, looks at their heart and sees that their heart had grown cold. They had forsaken their first love. John is familiar with writing these words. In the Greek, it's protos, first, agape, love. Protos, agape. Protos means primary, means foremost, most important. Agape is is the pure, sacrificial love of God. This is not the first time that John has written these words down, inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know where else we read them? 1 John 4.19. We love him, writes John, because he, protos agape, us. Let's be really clear. Our love for God is only possible because of God's first love for us. John makes it really clear a few verses earlier. He says, this is love. Not, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is love. And they had forsaken their love for God. The Ephesians had forsaken the love that they first had for God who loved them first by sending his one and only son to die for their sins. They've forsaken him, loving him first and most. You see, they they clearly understood something that is important, that faith without works is dead. That's true. James 2.17 But they had lost sight of the fact that faith and works without love is cold, empty, worthless, meaningless. In 1 Corinthians 13, we we all know these verses. 
the Apostle Paul. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Jesus says that in spite of all their good deeds and hard work and patient endurance and sound doctrine, the church at Ephesus had neglected the first and greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all, all, all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And Jesus carries on to say the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. And what were the commandments? To love him. (laughs) to love God and love each other. And we only do that when we experience his love and when we cherish his love, when we recognize the price. I'm spitting a lot here. It's a good thing there's no one in that front row. When we recognize the price that he paid to save us from our sins, which is the definition, the perfection of the agape love of God. And they had lost touch with that, that they'd stopped doing that because I I believe they had lost their grasp on, on God's love poured out in Jesus Christ for them. See, they were so busy doing their good works, showing their supposed love for God instead of knowing God's all sufficient love for them. This is what Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. I went quickly past it earlier, uh, but I'm, I'm going to show it to you right now. Paul didn't pray that the Ephesians might show the measure of their love for Christ, did he? What did he pray? He prayed that they would know the immeasurable love of Christ for them and that they would experience it together in the church This is the context where we experience the fullness of God in the church together, experiencing the love of God poured out through His Son, Jesus Christ. And my friends, it's a love so deep that it cannot be measured. What does He say? That we might be able to grasp just just how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know personally, intimately know this love that surpasses knowledge so that we may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. This was the prayer for this church that Jesus addresses. Knowing and cherishing the deep, deep love of Jesus for us, my friends, is the only way, how, it's it's why we can love God in return and obey his commands. But you see, that's not something we can do on our own. And that was really the Ephesians' problem. They were trying to do the Holy Spirit's work in their own strength. Agape love is not the fruit of a good person. It's not even the fruit of the hardworking, persevering, doctrinally sound Christian. (laughs) Agape love is, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we know and receive God's love and love him first and most in return and others 
as he's called us to. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you remember what it was like when you first experienced God's agape love? When you first believed in Jesus Christ who laid down his life for you, when you understood that and you received the gift of salvation in Jesus' name, do you remember how excited you were to know and experience the forgiveness of your sins, to know that you had peace with God, that you were forgiven, that you had freedom in Jesus, that you now had the Holy Spirit of God living in your heart to guide you as close as God can possibly be. He's in you, he's with you. Do you remember that when you first experienced that? Do you remember what it was like uh, to, to talk to God in prayer? I remember getting up early. I want to start my day with him. I don't want to say a word to anyone before I talk to him. Do you remember like reading your Bible late at night? Just to hear his voice? Do you remember that, that thrill of, of serving and learning and worshiping him in his church for the first time? Here's the question. Do you love Jesus more now than you did then? If you can say yes to that, praise the Lord. And I know many of you can. Is it still like that, though? Do you love Jesus more now than you did then? Is your love deeper and wider and stronger for him now than it was then? Or is that first love now a distant, fading memory. Has, has that passion fizzled out a bit? Has the flame gone out? Has your heart grown cold? Have you forsaken your first love of Christ? The word forsaken is important. It's not love lost, by the way. It means left behind. See, when you lose something, and you know what it's like, I lose things all the time. Um, in fact, I don't even know where my keys are right now. They're, they're probably over. Thanks, Jonathan. They're over there. Um, uh, might need to mute me here. Um, so I'm good. So you lose something. You don't know necessarily where to go to look for it. But when you leave something behind, you know where you left it. I think a lot of Christians, you know, through this pandemic, it seems like some, whether inadvertently or intentionally, their first love for Christ is, is left somewhere back in the last two years. We have to go back. Go back to Christ. Return to the God we love and love him first and most just as we did when we first believed. Jesus is saying this. I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And some of us might say, but hold on, God, I'm working hard for the church, and that's not easy. I'm being obedient. Look what I'm doing in your name. Look how I'm serving. Look at the good things that I'm doing for you. I know but you have forsaken your first love. But Lord, look what I've gone through, right? 
Look, look how I've endured in the face of hardship and trials. Look what I've had to deal with in my life. Look how hard things have been. Look at the stress that I'm under. Look how tired I am. And I, and I haven't given up. I've held on to your word. I still believe. I know. But you have forsaken your first love. But Lord, I'm committed to good doctrine, to studying theology. I, I read your word. I study the Bible. I've gained so much knowledge and understanding. I know. But you have forsaken your first love. For some, it's a deliberate forsaking, as I mentioned, of our love for Christ. We've chosen to seek after many other things, haven't we? We've made other interests, other desires and activities, priorities, putting them over and above Jesus and his church, loving them more than him. And do you know what that's called? Idolatry. So what do we do if we've forsaken our first love of Christ? Well, Jesus tells us right here. Verse 5. He says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Which means we must recognize where we're at. Recognize our condition here. It's really, it's a picture of, of climbing a mountain, isn't it? Going higher and higher. That's what we did when we first loved Jesus. We made that quick ascent. But then what happened? We gradually slowed down, didn't we? Perhaps eventually hit a standstill and have since been sliding backwards. That's the picture here, this backsliding downwards. We've left our first love for Christ behind. In spite of Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, the Ephesians somehow managed to lose grasp of the wideness and length and height and depth of the love of Christ for them and how they used to love him in response. Jesus says to them and to us, remember the height from which you've fallen. So my friends, that's what we do. God's word is a mirror. We look in the mirror and we need to be honest about what we see and the state of our hearts. Admit it to ourselves and to our Savior. Number two, repent. Which doesn't mean feel bad. It means turn around. The word means a, a, a U-turn. It's a 180. A radical change of mind and heart. It means turning back to seeking and loving God first and most. Because loving God with anything less than all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength is sin. He didn't say, love the Lord your God with some of your heart, most of your soul, bulk of your strength. No, all of it. Jesus says, repent and what? Do the things you did at first. Which is why... This is an, such an important message for today, my friends, as we prepare to renew our church covenant, to rededicate ourselves to doing the things we did at first, when we first came to Christ and committed to being part of his church. We actually heard earlier from Acts 19 what some of those first things for the Ephesians were. Roughly 40 years earlier, when they first embraced God's agape love for them, here's what it says. The Ephesians, they held the name of Jesus Christ with the highest honor. That's amazing. They, they revered, feared, loved his name above all else. Love that old hymn we used to sing. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Agape, protos, he first loved me. Can you say and sing that from your heart today? 
How vibrant is your worship of the Lord? Are you passionate about honoring the name of Jesus above everything else in your life? Or has your heart grown cold and distant? Has your worship, your service for him become dry, lifeless? Maybe just kind of going through the motions because you know you're supposed to. If it has, let us pray in the words of that old familiar chorus, don't let my heart grow cold. I'm crying out, light the fire again, Lord. Look at what it says next. That they openly confess their sins, their evil deeds. Because you know why? They knew just how dangerous and damaging sin was in their relationship with Christ. It doesn't just affect our relationship with Jesus. It infects our relationship. And so they were serious about confession about that spiritual discipline that sometimes we we go pretty casual on. Are you grieved by sin? Grieved by it? Or have you become okay with it? Tolerant of it in your life? Maybe it's the things you're watching or, or listening to or participating in that you know are wrong, but you've made some exceptions. My friends, anything and everything we put before God distances us from him. It affects our love and devotion to him. We must confess our sins. But they didn't just confess their sins. Look what they did. They brought their scrolls and burned them publicly. They got rid of their idols altogether. Those who were dabbling in sorcery and witchcraft literally burned their scrolls. The point is they were vigilant against sin. My friends, we must be the same way, vigilant about getting rid of the idols in our lives, whatever they may be, anything that we love more than God is an idol. We must remove those things, full stop. Because you know why? The stakes are high. Jesus gives this sobering warning, spelling out the consequence of forsaking our first love for Christ. He says this, if you do not repent, if you do not turn around, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What's he saying here? He's, the church will will be taken away. Where where the church isn't shining in the light of Christ, he, he removes the light. The lampstand that that was supposed to shine that light, it'll be removed. Sadly, there are so many cases where the lampstand of the church has been taken away because God's people have left their first love for him. Tragically, Ephesus would become one of those churches. The church continued to backslide, and, and at some point during the second century, the fire was extinguished, and their lampstand was removed. Beware. Church, beware. Where first love for Jesus leaves, again, so does the light. However, this message concludes with the most amazing promise to those who remember, repent, and return to their first love. Revelation 2.7 says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is the tree of life found in the opening pages of the Bible in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And it's found in the closing pages in the middle of the city of God. But in the Garden of Eden, the way to the tree is blocked because of sin. 
But in the new creation, the way is open through the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ, our risen, glorified Savior and Lord, has opened the way to the tree of life because he is the way, the truth, and the life. The only one that can do that. So he says, Jesus says, he who has an ear, I've got two of them. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Dear church, we have ears. So please hear this. Our risen, returning Savior is here with us. He is walking, working, helping, convicting, and today I believe calling his church, his bride, back to loving him first and most. Our church covenant is full of commitments. We're going to do this. We're going to recommit ourselves to serving the church of Christ with our hands and our heads. But all of it means nothing if we don't love him with all of our hearts. Which is why we must put first things first. Before we even think of repeating those vows and recommitting ourselves to upholding these promises, we must first repent of our sins and remember our suffering Savior and his sacrifice to pay for them on the cross where God's love was poured out for us. And we're going to do that as he's commanded us to do around the Lord's table. And it is my prayer today that the remembrance of Jesus' suffering and sacrificial death for our sin would cause us to cherish and savor our Savior, inspire us to love him first and most and best and always in increasing measure from this day forward. Before we come to the Lord's table, can we just take a moment to to bow our heads and and pray together here? Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to just say thank you for your word that is alive, your word that is sharp, your word that cuts, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. And Lord, it's you are doing that today. Father God, you know that we are, are sinful. We have fallen short of your glory, God. We are a people of unclean lips and unclean hearts. And Father, we come to you today in response to your word, Father. We, we want to come back to you. So Lord, I do pray for all of us here as the body of Christ at Stanley Park that we would be quick to listen to what you are saying with the ears you've given us, what your spirit is saying to this church, that we would come back to where we started, to that place where we first experienced your, your protos agape for us and loved you in response, where by the power of your Holy Spirit, we were saved, our eyes were opened, our souls were rescued, we were forgiven of our sins and given the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Thank you for that matchless gift. And Father, be honored today in what follows here as we come to your table, Father, to remember, remember the sacrifice, remember your love poured out for us there. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just preparing this now. You uh, still have a moment, but uh, if you do not have communion elements, uh, there, there are plenty out in the narthex.
Does anyone need them? Perhaps we can get one of our, we've got some extras we can distribute here. Excuse me one minute. So uh, let me just say this before we proceed with the Lord's table. The Lord's table draws a line, a necessary line, between believers and unbelievers. Because the fact is we are either God's friends or his enemies. We're either on his side or not. Which is why the invitation to this table can only be extended to those who have repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ for forgiveness and are following him as Savior and Lord of their lives. If you're not a believer here today, not a follower of Jesus, the best thing I can do is point you to the only one who can remove that line, the barrier of sin, and that is God's Son, Jesus Christ himself. Today, would you turn from your sin in faith to God's one and only Son, who died on the cross to pay for your sin in full. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, is master, and, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You will be made right with him, be adopted as his child into his family forever, and you will be welcome to join us at his table, because this isn't our table, this is his. For over 2,000 years, the church has been invited to this same table of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are invited again today. May we never shy away from faithfully, reverently, affectionately, lovingly remembering his sacrifice for our sins, my friends, just as he commanded us to, by partaking of his body that was given, represented by the bread that we're going to eat in a moment, and by his blood that was shed for our sins on the cross, represented by the juice that we will drink together. So if you are joining us at home, I would invite you to uh, prepare these elements and then we will uh, proceed with the words of institution. Let me just say this though, we, we also take seriously the warning of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, that every person ought to examine themselves so as not to eat or drink in an unworthy manner. And so before the throne of God our Father, before the cross of Christ our Redeemer, let us now make our humble confession of sin as we pray for strength to know and to do God's will. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are God. We acknowledge and we confess in your presence now our sinful nature, prone to evil, slow to do good. Lord, we confess all of our shortcomings and offenses against you. Search our hearts, Lord. See if there's any wicked way in us that we need to confess. You alone know how often we've sinned in wandering from your ways, in wasting your gifts, in forgetting and forsaking your love and failing to love you first as we should. Forgive us, Lord. We've sinned against you in the things we've thought, things we've said, the things we've done, and the things we've failed to do. Have mercy on us, Lord. We are ashamed and sorry for all the ways in which we have fallen short of your glory. So teach us, God. Teach us to hate evil 
hate our errors, cleanse us from our secret faults, and forgive our sins for the sake of your dear Son, our precious Savior Jesus. Father, send your purifying grace into our hearts, we ask, that we would continually live in your light, walk by your Holy Spirit according to your word and the example and commandment of Jesus our Lord, in whose name I pray, amen. To its blessing and fellowship, all disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who have repented of their sins and are following him in newness of life may come and partake in these elements. If you're not a follower of Jesus, again, I would simply ask that you observe what takes place here today. And if you have any questions, please, please ask them. Uh, speak to me following the service. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me just say a short prayer of thanksgiving for the bread, symbolizing the body of our Savior Jesus given for us. Let's pray. Thy body given for my sake. My bread from heaven shall be. O Lamb of God, my sacrifice, help me, help us remember thee. Remember thee in all thy pains. Remember all thy love to me. This will I do, my dying Lord. I will remember thee. We will remember thee. Lord, help us with meek humility and grateful hearts to honor and remember you and your body given for us as we partake of this bread. In Jesus' name, amen. Together, let us eat this bread in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice for us and be thankful. In the same way, Jesus took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Once again, let us just give thanks for the cup, symbolizing Jesus' blood poured out for us. Lord, mine is the sin, but thine is is the righteousness. Mine is the guilt, but thine the cleansing blood. Here is my robe, my refuge, and my peace. Thy blood, thy righteousness, O Lord my God. O precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. No other fount we know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your blood shed for us to cover over all of our sins past, present, and future. Thank you for the forgiveness we have through faith in Jesus, in whose name I pray, amen. Jesus said, this is the blood of the covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us drink this now in remembrance that Jesus' blood was shed for you, for me, and let's be thankful. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <sighs> okay. I'm going to have you stand up.
with me, stretch. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we're, not, we're not done yet. We still have the business of renewing our church covenant, uh, recommitting ourselves to these vows. So just before we do that, um, just to be clear, a covenant is a solemn oath. It's a bond of blood that was authored, initiated, and guaranteed by Jesus' sacrifice that we've just celebrated and remembered here today. So I would just ask, do not say these words unless you really intend to keep them. If you are a member here, then I expect you'll participate in this ceremonial, a ceremony of renewal today. Now, if you've not joined, but have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and are willing to serve Him in this congregation, please, I urge you to participate in this ceremony of renewal today. Our church covenant, as much as it acknowledges our covenant relationship to Christ, is of vital importance. And so let us now renew our church covenant believe we have the slides here. Maybe before we do this, how about I, I just read through this, uh, just in case you have not seen this prior to this very moment. We'll, I'll read through it, and then we'll, we'll read this through and dedicate ourselves to this together. Having received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and declared our faith by being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we now enter into covenant with one another. We dedicate ourselves to practice the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, to study the Scriptures, and to be a people of prayer, thanking God for all his gifts, seeking his forgiveness and guidance, and bringing to him all our concerns. We'll, we will obey the teachings of Christ in every area of our life, modeling obedience in our moral and ethical choices, being faithful in our commitments, practicing self-control, and being good stewards of our bodies. Next slide. As members of this body, we affirm it is our privilege and obligation to build up and strengthen the community of faith in knowledge, holiness, and fellowship. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we commit ourselves to walk together in Christian love, to pray for one another, to help each other in times of illness or distress, and to be respectful of one another. We further commit to speak the truth in love, be slow to take offense, and quick to seek reconciliation. We will watch over one another, humbly warning any who may be in danger of falling into disobedience or error. We commit ourselves to live as Christ's witnesses in a sinful world, inviting people from all nations and creeds to faith in Christ and raising our children in the encouragement and correction of the Lord. We will promote the financial stability of the church through our giving, its spiritual vitality by our lifestyle, its worship, ordinances, discipline, doctrines, and ministries by our attendance, participation, and encouragement of one another. We agree that when we leave this congregation, we will unite with another church family where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of the word of God. We accept these commitments in humble reliance upon Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. We accept these commitments because we love the Lord, because he first loved us. So, have you memorized that? Wouldn't that I, if anyone has that memorized, I, I will give you $10. That's, I think it's, <laughs> I should have this memorized and I don't. So, uh, but to, together, uh, now let us, let us dedicate ourselves to what we have committed to here as the body of Christ at Stanley Park. So slow, sure, in unison, let's commit ourselves to the Lord. Having received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior 
and declared our faith by being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we now enter into covenant with one another. We dedicate ourselves to practice the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, to study the scriptures, and to be a people of prayer, thanking God for all his gifts, seeking his forgiveness and guidance, and bringing to him all our concerns. We will obey the teachings of Christ in every area of our life, modeling obedience in our moral and ethical choices, being faithful in our commitments, practicing self-control, and being good stewards of our bodies. As members of this body, we affirm it is our privilege and obligation to build up and strengthen the community of faith in knowledge, holiness, and fellowship. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we commit ourselves to walk together in Christian love, to pray for one another, to help each other in times of illness or distress, and to be respectful of one another. We further commit to speak the truth in love, be slow to take offense, and quick to seek reconciliation. We will watch over one another, humbly warning any who may be in danger of falling into disobedience or error. We commit ourselves to live as Christ's witnesses in a sinful world, inviting people from all nations and creeds to faith in Christ and raising our children in the encouragement and correction of the Lord. We will promote the financial stability of the church through our giving, its spiritual vitality by our lifestyle, and its worship, ordinances, discipline, doctrines, and ministries by our attendance, participation, and encouragement of one another. We agree that when we leave this congregation, we will unite with another church family where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of the word of God. We accept these commitments in humble reliance upon Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, we don't just want to say these words. Father, we, we need and have committed to doing what they say. Empower us. Help us to uphold these commitments to one another and ultimately to you, our Father. Through faith in your Son, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, May the church of Stanley Park Baptist Church shine brightly in 2023. Father God, as we carry out what we've just committed to doing, may you be glorified. May people come to Christ. May people grow in Christ. May your kingdom be built and extended here from this corner and out throughout this community and into this world for your glory, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, let me pronounce the benediction, and then you can go get some coffee. You can join us for Stanley Park 101 uh, right through here uh, with, with Kevin and myself and uh, some others. Uh, we look forward to that time together. Uh, but now receive the Lord's blessing. Uh, Got to go with uh, Revelation uh, 1, verses 5 and 6. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen.